Okay, boys and girls, it's now time for Trexan Sci-Fi with the star of the show, the Geekmeister himself, Rico. Greetings, one and all. This is Rico, and you're listening to the Trex in Sci-Fi podcast for March 24th, 2013, and today will be podcast 429. So welcome to the show, everyone. I'm going to have a fun time this week. I am going to do another, after uh, a bit of a long stretch, I'm going to do another one of those year-in-review podcasts that I've done a few of. And they're, they're always a lot of fun, kind of nostalgic, although this one isn't going to go back quite as far as some of the others. This one's only going to go back about 11 years to the year 2002, which has a, an amazing amount of sci-fi, fantasy, uh, movie, and, and television stuff to cover. It's just a huge year for things. I, I actually, I, I knew there were a lot of things. I remembered several of them. But when I was looking things up this morning and getting kind of ready for this, I, I didn't realize, especially on the movie front, TV is always about the same roughly, except when you go back a long ways and there's not as many sci-fi and fantasy TV shows. But there's a ton of movies that are sci-fi and fantasy related in the year 2002, so and some really big ones as well. So we're going to talk about that today, mainly on the podcast. Also, of course, the big thing this past week, at least for uh, Trek fans, was this new international trailer. They call it an international trailer. It's a longer version of the Star Trek Into Darkness trailer, the latest one that's been released by J.J. Abrams and Bad Robots and company. And uh, I'm actually going to play that for you here in a moment. If you haven't seen it, you really need to check this out. Quite a bit of new footage in it, uh, and uh, I want to talk about that probably in the early part of the podcast. I'll cover the, the, the trailer and my thoughts a little bit about it and and just a whole lot more on uh, this week's edition of Treks in Sci-Fi. So uh, let's do it. You think your world is safe. It is an illusion. Enjoy these final moments of peace. By now, all of you have heard what happened in London. The man who did it is one of our top agents. Your commanders have committed a crime I cannot forgive. None of you are safe. Clear the road! Have I got your attention now? This could just be the beginning. I request permission to go after him. Starfleet is not about vendetta, Kirk. Maybe it should be, sir. Jim, you're not actually going after this guy, are you? I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. I only know what I can do. We're gonna do this, we gotta do it now! We will not fit. We'll fit, we'll fit! I told you we fit. I am not sure that qualifies. I watched you murder innocent men and women. I will make you answer for what you did. You have no idea what you have done. I will walk over your cold corpses. Let's go! We're outgunned. Outnumbered. So we come out shooting. I am better. At what? 
Yeah, so there we go with the Star Trek Into Darkness International trailer. It is uh, pretty amazing. Uh, a ton of stuff in there. Uh, we'll talk about that in a few moments. But uh, just a few kind of announcements and discussion about a couple little things. One, again, welcome to the podcast for this week, everyone. Always happy to have you back. Or maybe you're listening for the first time. For those that are kind of new to the podcast, you can find us, of course, on iTunes. You also can check us out on the main uh, inter internets <laughs> at treksandsci-fi.com. We have a forum. Uh, there's a main site there, and uh, just check that out when you get a chance. We also have a Facebook group. If you just go over to facebook.com slash treksandsci-fi, you'll find us there and join the group if you'd like. There are links to that and, and donation things and, and other information all on treksandsci-fi.com. So if you just listen or, um, sorry, if you're listening and you just remember that link, it'll find, you'll find your way to everything else. So get that business out of the way. Sometimes I do that during a show at the beginning, the middle, the end or whatever. But this week I felt like doing it early on. So again, welcome. This week, uh, like I said, we're going to cover the year 2002 in movies, TV, mostly sci-fi fantasy. We stick to that most of the, most of the time. Uh, a few other little things will be thrown in, but but first, hey, let's just dive right in and talk about this Into Darkness international trailer. Uh, there, there are uh, just a lot of new things showing up. I, I watched this early on Thursday morning. It came out, I think it was released at like midnight on Thursday, or I guess you call it midnight, late Wednesday, early Thursday morning, whatever. And uh, the first thing, a couple things that struck me, I'll just give you some first impressions, what I remember when I first watched it that morning uh, there's a couple of key little things in there, and I don't know. Sometimes I think J.J. and his team are, and the writers who know Trek are, are, are deliberately kind of misleading us in, in some ways. There was the one trailer early on where they had that two-hand touch thing that, that obviously was, a, was very much like what we saw in Wrath of Khan, you know, with Spock and Kirk between, you know, the glass and the engine room and all. And that, that was such a... Uh, it was like you're, they were pointing right at that scene to make us all think, oh, Spock's in there. It's going to be just like Wrath of Khan, and he's going to die. And I, I think that's, to me, that's just ridiculous that they would both, if even if they were going to do something like that, repeat something like that, they certainly wouldn't reveal it like that. So I consider that like a magician, magician's misdirection. There, there's no way. That's something else. Here, a couple things that they did the same where they pushed that kind of thing at us, for Trek fans at least, was this this comment that uh, this Harrison character, Benedict Cumberbatch's character, the villain, is, uh, he says, he, he's one of um, Peter Weller's character who is an admiral. He's admiral, well, I won't give it away. It's been revealed online and people that have seen things. He's the um, the father of one of the characters in the film, let's just say. Anyway, the admiral, he plays an admiral in the film. I, I believe that's his rank. Anyway, he says that Harrison, this John Harrison character, is a, a one of Starfleet's top agents. He doesn't say stop, top officers. He doesn't say top captains. He doesn't say something like that. He says top agents. So Trek fans, that immediately thinks or makes us think Section 31, right? The Section 31 stuff that we saw. Uh, quite a bit of on Deep Space Nine uh, that uh, O'Brien was involved in. You know, it's just this this sort of covert, 
you know, agency that operates sort of outside of Starfleet to a degree and does these sort of dirty missions and things that, that Starfleet, the prim and proper prime directive, you know, Starfleet won't do. That's at least, you know, always been my take on it, this sort of, uh, you know, wild card group. And so this makes us believe, and this might be true because you'd have to be a real Trek fan to kind of know that. Somebody who's just seen Wrath of Khan would have recognized that two-hand touch thing. So it's possible that he is an agent, and it's possible they may use the term Section 31. uh, And I still firmly believe that he is genetically engineered and enhanced uh, from what everything we've seen. You know, these lines about him being better than us, better than everything. Uh, Somebody on the forum mentioned this the other day, and I've seen a couple of comments like this in other sites that was an interesting take on this. Well, what if Harrison is an android like data what if he's not a genetically engineered human what if he's not even human maybe he's an android and that was an interesting idea and that's still possible a possibility I, I think that could be uh feasible so um you know i still think it won't be that i think he's he's obviously very emotional type of person for one thing i think that that sort of takes out of the star trek realm of you know most you know data and the emotion things of course you had lore who had who had an emotion ship and could experience it and later data did and won't go into a lot of detail there but i think i don't think it's i don't think it's the case i don't think he's an android i think he's still human i think he's still just genetically engineered whether he's really going to turn out to be at the end con if he's going to take that name or title or whatever you want to call it meh, maybe uh, who knows? He's obviously pretty pretty upset, pretty pissed at Starfleet for doing something. And what that is, I, I, I don't know. Uh, it, does it involve something personal? There's mentions of family and other trailers. He, he obviously knows enough about Starfleet to get into facilities. You see a, a space dock of ships being blown apart, London being destroyed. He, he takes his revenge pretty, pretty far and pretty serious. And then Starfleet doesn't want to go after him. We're not about revenge, Kirk, or whatever. We're not about vendettas, Kirk. And, and, and you know, I love the the look of what we're seeing, the way, the way this is all coming together. I love, uh, you know, Kirk's attitude in this, you know, saying that maybe we should be. I, I you know, you know, once we see the movie, this maybe will make more sense. But I have a real hard time understanding why if a character or a person did the things they did, why Starfleet wouldn't go after them. I mean, it isn't a vendetta. You want to stop this guy. What else is he going to do next? It is. It isn't like a vendetta. It's going a lot. You know, not going into politics, but you know, I watched Zero Dark Thirty not too long back and saw that movie. And uh, you know, killing and getting get, getting you know capturing Osama bin Laden. It wasn't a vendetta. I mean, what is this guy going to do next? You you you're concerned with that. So I don't really see that and understand that situation. It's it just doesn't make sense to me, at least, uh, you know, that they're not going to want to go after this guy. I mean, he he's he's obviously killed a lot of people, blown up a lot of, you know, your ships and, and, and London and whatever else happens in the movie. And you don't want to go after this guy and, and capture him or stop him in some way. I, I don't makes no sense to me. Sorry, that that one I don't understand. Starfleet would do that. They've gone after people who have done less, far less, you know, so anyway. Maybe they're concerned with other stuff. Maybe, maybe you know, with the fact that a lot of the fleet gets destroyed, um, that you know they they are worried about sending you know the Enterprise, maybe one of its only remaining you know up you know top of the line starships out there on on this mission like that. Uh, maybe they want to stay 
keep keep the enterprise close to home or something and protect Earth. I don't know. It, it could be something like that. So, what else uh, in this uh, that we that we kind of gather from this? Uh, you know, little things. I mean, there's there's obviously uh, stuff with uh, you know Kirk defying orders again. Uh, there, there's that, uh, you know, we get a couple of scenes that we've seen before of, of, uh, Spock, Kirk and Uhura going off on their own, chasing Harrison down. Uh, I'm still keeping up on the comic, the countdown to darkness comic. I just recently read issue three of that. I think there's only one more issue. They are very much not, uh, they're not giving much away about, Harrison or what we're seeing in the in the Into Darkness trailers. If there is going to be connections here, it's going to be pretty minor. There, there's I don't want to mention too much because maybe there are some things people want to read on their own and haven't read the comics. But, uh, you know, they've they've brought in a few characters from Star Trek, let's say history or lore into uh, into the comic. How much they're going to be involved or be connected to the movie, I don't know. But uh, but anyway, uh, overall, I am just completely pumped to see this movie. A lot of people have been not a lot, but some people, you know, in you know, on the forum and in and, and different online places, I've been checking out. They're a little, you know, maybe they're 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 seeing this as this action movie, and it just being having the word Star Trek in it. It's not very Star Trek, and. And we've been having a few discussions about that in the forum, and and I think people have kind of came come to the same conclusion. You know, Star Trek has had you know many many seasons and uh, you know seven hundred plus episodes of televi- televised Star Trek, which has a different tone, have it has a different attitude than movie movie Trek. And I'll maintain that movie Trek has always been its own thing and different. There are connections. This obviously looks to be a, a action-packed blockbuster of a movie for a Star Trek movie, and I think it's going to be, but I think there's going to be a lot of Star Trek elements in there. I even said something on the forum recently that I think this movie is actually going to have a very Star Trek-centered story and have a lot of Star Trek themes and elements in there that are we're familiar with, and I think that at the end of the day, it's going to be fantastic, and I think it's going to be even more Trek-like even than the last film, in my opinion. Uh, I just am really, really excited by it. I, I think these guys spent a lot of time really hammering out a, a solid, strong movie with a lot of interesting ideas and, and characterization, and I, I'm, I just really think it's going to be good, and I think it's going to be also a movie that a lot of people are going to go see. I, I said something like this on a forum post that I made a couple of days ago. I think they're doing something very interesting here and in that they're making these movies appeal to a mass audience and they're going to get them to say, hey, Star Trek's pretty cool. Maybe I'll go finally watch that, you know, Deep Space Nine Star Trek series that's on Netflix or, or Voyager or Enterprise or whatever. And these movie or um, TV shows are also starting to come out more on Blu-ray. There's the Star Trek uh Next Generation Best of Both Worlds movie event coming in April. At the end of the month, you can go see it at select theaters. I think it's the last Thursday of April. Check online Fandango. You can find that Best of Both Worlds. Uh, Both episodes combined into sort of a movie-length feature, uh, plus some behind-the-scenes stuff. It's going to be at the theaters. So them making a movie like Star Trek Into Darkness, I think, is a a very great and cool thing because they're just going to get people to like it and watch a lot more Trek than maybe they would have watched before. And this is, you, you can't do a Star Trek episode and turn, you know, an episode that you would see week in, week out on 
the Next Generation or Deep Space Nine or even the original series and make that into a, a big screen film. The closest I think they ever did that were, were the two movies I think that came the closest to sort of being more of an episode were Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, and Star Trek Insurrection. I think those two, and they were probably two of the movies that did the poorest at the box office. So you got to be careful. You know, you, you have to make a, a big budget movie these days. It's what people expect to a degree, especially a sci-fi film. And then you, you've got to get a lot of people to go see it. And how do you do that? Well, you can't just have a movie about, uh, you know, sitting around the campfire, you know, sing, singing Row, Row, Row Your Boat. Although I love that scene in, in Star Trek V. And for a Trek fan, I, I still think that's a fun movie. But you need something more, something more. So uh, anyway, I'm excited. If you guys can't tell, I'm very excited. Two, two months away, a little less than two months away. Uh, keep in mind and remember that on it is officially in the United States coming out of the 17th Friday, the 17th of May. But on the 15th of May, the IMAX 3D version is going to be available for that night only. Uh, well, as a preview, I should say it's going to be on coming out on Friday and being able to be seen from there on out. But on the 15th of May, will be actually in the United States the first chance to see the movie. And I plan on going to that and seeing it on, on that Wednesday evening, May 15th. So I'm very excited, and it should be good. I, I'm excited I think the other thing that I wanted to mention is some people are saying that you've, we're seeing too much of the movie. We've seen too much, too many things, and I, yeah, I could sort of see that point. But I think that I, I think it's okay. I think there's a lot of stuff. I don't think JJ's uh, revealed everything by by any means for this movie. And I think once we we get the full uh, film, I mean, considering I'm sure it's going to be about a two-hour movie, and we've only seen about. You know, maybe if you combine all the different scenes from the trailers, we've seen maybe three minutes of it or something. That's still a whole lot of movies still to watch. So I, I'm not too concerned that we've seen too much. And, uh, you know, some people wanted to know all the little details of, of you know, more on Harrison's character. And I, I've gotten to the point where I'm okay with, with knowing what we know right at this stage. I've read that there's supposed to be, we're probably going to get another theatrical-type trailer another long two-plus-minute trailer in April, which will be sort of the final, I think, long trailer for uh, that you'll see attached to movies when you go see a movie. You know, you get some previews ahead of that. Um, so that's... Uh, and we're almost 20 minutes into the podcast, and all I've really talked about is this trailer. So I am going to take a short break here. I'll come back, and, and we'll be getting pretty much right into uh, looking at uh, 2002... Uh, TV and films. I think we're going to cover the TV stuff first a little bit, uh, but we're going to mostly focus on the movies. We'll go through the TV things a little bit quickly, and then uh, we'll have some fun with uh, looking back. Only about 11 years in, in sci-fi and fantasy. I'll be right back. Hi, I'm Rick. And I'm Amy. And we're the co-hosts of Take Him With You, a podcast that's like a reality TV show, but it's not. Come get the juicy details of our life here at the Moyer household. Including geeky technology updates. Movie and TV reviews. And a discussion on a life situation where you get to share on Facebook and Twitter through the impromptu question of the week. Plus cool music and our spiritual perspective. So after you're done listening to Rico here at Treks in Sci-Fi, which by the way is an awesome podcast, two thumbs up from us. You can join us at takehimwithyou.com and listen to our podcast. 
join us for the Taking With You podcast, your weekly dose of reality in a good way. Hopefully a good way. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> okay. That's the point. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm back. The uh, Let's get started right into, well, what actually I want to say one more thing. I did see a non-sci-fi film uh, yesterday and uh, enjoyed it quite a bit. And actually, I should mention, I don't know if I talked about Oz either. I saw that. I, th- I don't think I had a chance to podcast about that because I think I saw it uh, after I podcast on the last time two weeks ago. I really enjoyed the new Oz, great and powerful movie. It's a lot of fun. Uh, very much, uh, you know, if you're a Wizard of Oz fan, I think you'd enjoy it. So go see that out. But I also saw, like yesterday, saw that movie Olympus Has Fallen about the White House being invaded and uh, pretty messed up. If you've seen the trailers, Gerard Butler uh, from the, you know, he was in 300 and a lot of things. Uh, he He's in the movie, and uh, I, I really thought that they did a good job. It was, uh, it was better than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was just going to be, you know, kind of maybe silly action-y, but I, I thought that they did a good job. I, a couple things I kind of grimaced and cringed at. I, I found that some of the stuff was a little too um, easy uh, for them to do. But uh, anyway, those kind of movies, you know, that that usually happens in them. The only way the bad guys can kind of win is if you make some things easy. So, so those two, uh, a lot of good stuff. Next week we get the G.I. Joe film will be out at the end of the month. There's that other movie coming, The Host, which is being advertised like crazy, uh, which uh, which I think uh, might be pretty good. I don't know if I'll go see that at the theater or not. But, uh, And then we're, we're getting into April and uh, going to be seeing Oblivion with Tom Cruise and, and lots of stuff coming. So, all right, we're 20 minutes or so at least into the podcast. Let's get to the main topic. The year 2002 was was huge for sci-fi and fantasy, both on television and in films. Uh, just just a huge number of things were going on. TV shows that uh, started in this year, TV shows that were ongoing. Uh, let's just mention some of them right now. Let's just start going down the list. Uh, Enterprise, the last Star Trek series, actually started in the fall of 2001. So into 2002, it was into its first season. You know, maybe the first season isn't the best of, I think, three and four of Enterprise are fantastic. Uh, one and two, you know, okay and still still enjoyable. But, uh, yeah, this series uh, we did get, you know, back in 2002, we were ha- still having Trek on the air each week. So uh, that was cool. Uh, another series started in the fall of 2002, a series that is probably has, uh, it only lasted for a season and has a huge cult following. And everyone will recognize the theme to this show. Take my love, take my land, take me where I cannot stand. I don't care, I'm still free. You can take the sky from me. Take me out to the black, tell them I ain't coming back. Burn the land and boil the sea. You can take the sky from me. Yeah, that, of course, is the theme to Joss Whedon's Firefly. Just uh, an amazing, fantastic series. Only lasted for a season. Actually only lasted pretty much on TV, broadcast TV, in the fall of 2002. 
and uh, is still, uh, you know, has a huge following to this day with only uh, a one short season and one movie that we got uh, a couple uh, a couple of years later. I think was was it 2005, right? For uh, Serenity. So anyway, uh, yeah, fantastic series. Lots of uh, you know just great moments, and uh, we've done podcasts about that. So. Uh, next up, uh, a couple other uh, lesser-known shows. There was one called Odyssey 5. Peter Weller starred on that. It was basically about a, a group of um, astronauts. They were uh, in orbit, and there was this big catastrophe that, that pretty much destroyed the Earth. Uh, and they were sent back in time to stop this disaster from happening. Uh, and they were sent back in time for five years, five years back in time. And the idea of the show was it would last for five years and they would work towards stopping and learning about this problem. Of course, the show lasted only a short, you know, season and it never really got a chance to, you know, grow beyond that. But I thought that was a pretty good uh, show. Uh, another guy that's that's become pretty popular, uh, Christopher Gorham was, uh, I think that's how you say his last name. He was on uh, that show as well. There's also a, a post-apocalyptic uh <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's too early. A uh, show called Jeremiah that was on in 2002 where a deadly virus had wiped out most of humanity and there was a, a small group of survivors. Luke Perry, Malcolm Jamal Warner was on that. Uh, and, and, a, and a good good cast. I actually never really watched Jeremiah very much, so that's not something that uh, I'm really up on, but I thought I would mention it. Also, shows that were still ongoing during this time, uh, the show uh, Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda series was ongoing during this. Uh, also, I think it, it ended in 2002, but the, the show with Jessica Alba, Dark Angel, was also on at this time. Uh, a show called, uh, I, think, uh, I think this was still on in 2002, uh, called Star Hunter, which I, I caught that occasionally. That was on the air then. Uh, Invader Zim, an animated series. And speaking of animated series, another animated series that ran in this time period uh, was the Justice League show, which uh, was fantastic. Justice League animated series uh, followed uh, later on by the Justice League Unlimited series. So here's the theme to the Justice League uh, show, which I, I, I always love this theme music, so I'm going to play it for you now. Yeah, the Justice League animated show. Great series. If you've not watched, I think you can see it on Netflix. Uh, just fantastic stuff in that uh, animated series into Justice League Unlimited. 
A few other shows uh, to mention that were still playing during this time period. Stargate SG-1 was actually still on the air at this time. Also, Farscape was also still playing, uh, and uh, as well as The X-Files. The X-Files ended in its run in 2002, so that was still on the air. We were also um, just, uh, let's see, what else? There's a couple other animated series. Futurama was on during this time, and, uh, and some other shows that, uh, you know, that don't really have much of a, of a history or, or probably aren't worth watching. Uh, even Well, maybe they're worth watching. I don't know. Uh, we also had Smallville. Smallville was on during this time period. It started in 2001. So uh, I thought I would play uh, the opening theme to Smallville, which had a, a very big, big following, great ratings, lasted for uh, 10 whole seasons, right? Yeah, gosh, that lasted a long time. And got to see Clark Kent go through school and grow up to be basically the Man of Steel. So let's listen to this theme from uh, Smallville. Yeah, there you go for Smallville. Uh, opening theme was really, uh, I always enjoyed that uh, theme by Remy Zero. Great series, too. They, they did a great job with that, as I think the CW is also doing a good job with the current series, Arrow, which is uh, sort of in a similar vein in a way. Sort of a different retelling of a, of a DC hero. Smallville, of course, with Clark Kent Superman and Arrow with Green Arrow or Oliver Queen. A couple other shows to mention. There was a new version of The Twilight Zone uh, from CBS that was on in 2002 that uh, I think only lasted for a season, right? So uh, also the uh, couple other shows that uh, that ended their run in 2002, uh, there, was one, um, there was one show that I enjoyed quite a bit and I've podcasted on before uh, called Roswell that stopped or, or finished airing in 2002. And I thought I had another one here from that era that I was going to mention. There's so many of them, um, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of them that were on the air. I try to stick to mostly shows that were either, you know, near their end or starting in 2002, something like that around that time. Earth Final Conflict. Yeah, that was the other one. Earth Final Conflict. Another Gene Roddenberry inspired or started series that ended its run in 2002. And uh, there's there's a whole bunch more that I could mention probably, but I think it's uh, probably time to segue uh, over into talking about movies, I think, because there's a lot of movies to cover, and uh, I'll also um, think I'll uh, play one of the movies, uh, you know, sort of uh, trailer, sorry, I'm blanking out for a second. What are those called? Oh yeah, previews. I was going to say previews, trailers to a film 
from uh, the year 2002. And again, there's a huge number of films here in 2002. And uh, let's uh, let's get started on, on looking at those with uh, the first one I wanted to mention here on this week's edition of Treks in Sci-Fi. Jad, what's coming? Double homicide, one male, one female. Killer's male, white 40s. Set up a perimeter and tell them we're on route. I'm placing you under arrest for the future murder of Sarah Marks. Give the man his hand. The future can be seen. All we have to run on are the images that they produce. We see what they see. There hasn't been a murder in six years. There's nothing wrong with the system. It is perfect, I agree. Murder can be stopped. Tell me exactly what it is you're looking for. Flaws. You ever get any false positives? We are arresting individuals who have broken no law. But they will. The fact that you prevent it from happening doesn't change the fact that it was going to happen. The system can't be wrong. Wait! You say something, Chief? No. You're in a lot of trouble, John. I have a warrant in my pocket that says murder. Don't run. You don't have to chase me. From 20th Century Fox. He set me up. He set me up. And DreamWorks Pictures. Who's the victim? I've never heard of him. But I'm supposed to kill him in less than 36 hours. He's coming here to get her. Tom Cruise. I need your help. If you contain information, I need to know how to get at it. In a Steven Spielberg film. I have to know. I have to find out what happened in my life. You tell me, who was it that set this up? I don't know. I bet now. On June 21st, everybody runs. That was, of course, a trailer to the really good sci-fi film uh, *Minority Report*, starring Tom Cruise. It uh, came out in June, June 21st, 2002. It was directed by Steven Spielberg, based on a uh, Philip K. Uh, Dick uh, book, and uh, a really fantastic film, really great film. I need to buy that on Blu-ray, actually. Now that I'm, Every time I do one of these kinds of shows, I think of, yeah, I need to get that one on Blu-ray, and I need to fill in my collection with that TV series and stuff like that. Yeah, this movie did very well at the box office. Only cost about $100 million to make, made $360 about million at the box office. So uh, a, a nice chunk of change for a really good movie, solid movie, and, and one that's interesting to watch and has some cool, cool computer stuff and, and all the little touch screens and sliding, you know, video in and out of the, you know, views and, and just, and the idea, I really love the premise of this, of, of the idea that, that, that the, these precogs or whatever they're calling the movie that could see the future and, you know, they would arrest people for things they hadn't done yet, you know, a very kind of uh, tricky ethical question about like, this idea that if if they've studied this enough to know that these things will definitely happen, can you could you really arrest someone ahead of doing it? You know, it doesn't seem like that would be fair or legal. You know, because you know, like Yoda would say, "Always in motion is the future." Right? That was that was not an attempt at a Yoda impression either. So, all right, let's let's do another movie, another big movie from the year two thousand and two. <laughs> 
in the year 2002. When the out of this world gets out of control, don't bother calling the CIA. Forget the FBI, because there's only one government agency we can turn to. This package is in clear violation of Section 3.1 of the United States Postal Code. Next! Kevin. <laughs> wow. Kevin, that's funny. You just, you don't have like a Kevin. Okay, straight to the point. You are a former agent of a top secret organization that monitors extraterrestrials on Earth. Hey! You're back! Hey, somebody said you were dead. You look good. The Deneuralizer. In a few moments, transverse magneto energy will surge through your brain, unlocking information that could hold the key. Earth's very survival. Oh, okay, what's that thing? The Deneuralizer. This season, they're back in black. Men in Black 2. I have your attention, people. Please move to the forward car. We got a bug in the electrical system. Yo, people, we got a bug in the electrical system. Oh, now y'all running. Now y'all running. That, of course, is a trailer to Men in Black 2, which came out in 2002. Uh, it came out on July 3rd, 2002. It uh, was a budget of about $140 million, made like $440 million, so it did pretty well. I don't think it's nearly as good as the first or even the more recent Men in Black that they did. Uh, it, it just uh, it still is fun to watch and has some of the you know goofiness and charm, but uh, it I don't think the story was as solid or as good as the other movies in the series. So, but that uh, was another you know big big success at the box office for the year of 2002. Also, uh, let's uh, move on to another movie, also from 2002, of course. How many times will I say 2002 on today's podcast? Count them up. <laughs> There's a special game for you to play. But uh, here's another one from that year that we are discussing here on Treks and Sci-Fi. Thank you. Deep underground. In the top secret research lab. Security has been breached. A deadly virus capable of contaminating the entire world has been released by Umbrella Corporation. Oh my god. We have to get out of this building. It was a... It's the brakes! It's okay, we're here to help. Now, an elite team has been sent in to stop it. Five hours ago, Red Queen went homicidal. Who's the Red Queen? State-of-the-art artificial intelligence. The corporation's keeping a few secrets down here. Something you're not supposed to see. But they have only three hours left before it begins infecting and mutating the whole human race. Everyone stay calm. What's that? Beat me, man! She took a chunk clean right out of me! You have to get out. Don't listen to anything she says. She's a holographic representation of the Red Queen. She may be our only way out of here. 
She's still standing. She isn't standing now. No one is immune. Resident Evil. You're all going to die down here. Yeah, that, of course, that was the trailer to the first of the Resident Evil films that came out in 2002, uh, starring Mila Jojovich, is that how you say her name? And has gone on to do, what, five movies now, I think, total? And, of course, a, a popular video game series as well. Yeah, that, uh, the movie itself, that one, uh, was made for about $32 million, made about $100 million, so it did pretty well. I've, I think I've seen all of them. I think I've seen all the, the – they're always kind of fun, although I think the earlier ones were, were definitely more interesting and better than the more recent things. Uh, I wasn't very happy with the last one that they did especially. I thought that one was the weakest probably of the group, but, uh, but still pretty cool to watch these uh, early ones and the idea of uh, – this virus getting out and, and just, you know, doing what it does and wreaking havoc and 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 seeing Mila kick, kick some butt is, is always fun to watch, too. So, OK, let's move on to another uh, really big movie for 2002. Actually, I think this movie made the most money in 2002 was a huge, huge success. And I think kind of frankly set the stage for some future comic book movies to come so here is a movie uh that uh, i i really enjoyed and still do and here is the trailer to spider-man who am i you sure you want to know if somebody told you i was just your average ordinary guy not a care in the world somebody lied Truth is, it wasn't always like this. There was a time when life was a lot less complicated. Can I take your picture for the school paper? Sure. In this lab, we have 15 genetically enhanced super spiders. There's 14. One's missing. Peter, are you all right? I'm fine. Pete, look, you're changing. I know I'm going to do exactly the same thing at your age. No, not exactly. Wow. Peter, may I introduce my father, Norman Osborne? Great honor to meet you, sir. Harry tells me you're quite the science whiz. You know, I'm something of a scientist myself. Whatever it is, somebody has to stop it. With great power comes great responsibility. This is my gift. Wow. It is my curse. Who are you? Who am I? I'm Spider-Man. Do I get to say thank you this time? 
too much. You're not Superman, you know. Yeah, that, of course, was the trailer to uh, the very successful first Spider-Man film uh, directed by Sam Raimi that came out in uh, 2002, May 3rd, 2002. Ran for 121 minutes, a budget of about $140 million, made now to date box office uh, of about $820 million. So, you know, pushing up in there, almost not quite a billion, you know, but uh, uh, very, very successful. And I think a very good Spider-Man movie. I think this movie is, is really well done for many reasons. Sam Raimi is a comic book fan and guy. He understands comic books and, and what makes things tick in them. And he understood, I think, the character of Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. And I think so did Tobey Maguire. I wanted to read this one little thing I found online about Tobey Maguire and his his real life growing up time period, which I think helped him play Peter Parker in this movie. Uh, this is what Toby had to say on identifying with Peter Parker uh, and, and kind of getting into character for the movie. Toby says, you know, growing up, I felt like I was an outsider. I think what happened to me made me develop the street sense of watching people and working out what made them tick, wondering whether I could trust them or not. I went to, to a lot of different schools along the coast of California, made a few friends and stayed with aunts and uncles and grandparents until my folks tried to make ends, or while my folks, sorry, tried to make ends meet. It was tough and we had, we didn't have a lot of money. So, you know, Toby had a, had a kind of a growing up time period, you know, not unlike Peter and having to live with his aunt and uncle and, and not having a lot of money. So in being an outsider and being in different schools. So uh, I think this really helped shape this movie. Uh, I enjoyed last, uh, was it just last summer's? Yeah, I guess it was, Amazing Spider-Man movie. Uh, I thought they did a good job with that, but there's something kind of more more like what I would expect Peter Parker to be like in, in this movie and in the way Toby plays him to a degree. I, in a way, I think the the more recent one, I think Peter is just a little too cool even become, before he becomes Spider-Man and before he gets his superpowers. You know, he's he's kind of an outsider, but he really isn't in a way. And I and I think he's this little nerdy outsider geek here in, in, in the first Spider-Man movie from 2002, I think is a little bit more like the way Peter should be. So, uh, but I enjoyed both of them. And, uh, you know, I guess Tobey Maguire now is, you know, kind of hung up his Spider-Man outfit and uh, and won't be playing him anymore. But uh, I, I think it'd be kind of fun to see him come back in the movie as a, as a cameo or something in the, in the next Spider-Man movie that they're filming currently. Uh, which I think is due out, uh, what, next summer, 2014, I guess it would be. Yeah, so, you know, Spider-Man has always been a big favorite character of mine in in comics and in, the, you know, TV show they even did and in movies and animated series. So I, I'll, I'll pretty much eat up and go see any kind of Spider-Man thing. But uh, I think this was a great movie. And, uh, you know, the Spider-Man, the second movie was good. Third, not so good at all. Uh, I, you know, kind of a disappointment. But uh, I think the first two especially are really, really solid, really good movies. And, again, this this success and, and, and the care they took with these movies, I think, really set the stage for, for doing Iron Man and Thor, Captain America and Avengers and you know, Marvel has had a, had a good string of films, solid movies, and I, I just hope they continue to do that because, and X-Men, of course, I, I I can't believe I forgot X-Men, you know, but uh, although the first two X-Men I like, third one I didn't care for, and of course the more recent uh, X-Men, 
uh, that they did where they went back, you know, in time for them, I think was really good too. So that uh, covers, you know, the biggest movie of 2002, but we still got several others I want to cover as well, including this next movie, which was pretty big in the summer of 2002. I'd say it probably is big or bigger than uh, Spider-Man. And actually, I might have been wrong. I think this movie probably did make more money in uh, that summer than Spider-Man did. I'll have to double check on that while I play the trailer to Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. not let this republic be split in two. My negotiations will not fail. If they do, there aren't enough Jedi to protect the republic. We're keepers of the peace, not soldiers. You know I don't like it when you do that. Sorry, master. I forgot you don't like flying. Well, you've lost it. If you'll excuse me. I hate it when he does that. Anakin, don't do anything without first consulting either myself or the council. You don't need guidance, Anakin. I see you becoming the greatest of all Jedi. The boy has exceptional skills. His abilities have made him arrogant. Excuse me. I'm in charge of security here, my lady. They are using a bounty hunter named Jango Fett to create a clone army. Wait. We must stop them before they're ready. Your clones are very impressive. They'll do their job well. Blast, that's why I hate flying. This is a crisis. The Senate must vote the Chancellor emergency powers. As my first act, I will create a grand army of the Republic to counter the increasing threats of the separatists. Hasn't been a full-scale war since the formation of the Republic. You must join me, Obi-Wan. And together, we will destroy the Sith. The dark side clouds everything. In grave danger, you are. This Clone War has. So, Star Wars Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. We finally got, I think, uh, a much more interesting and action-y movie than, you know, maybe we'd been hoping for for Episode 1. Here, uh, uh, you know, a much older Anakin, uh, I guess he's supposed to be, he's about a teenager of what about 18 19 is that how old he's supposed to be at this point whatever i think 10 years has passed or something since uh, uh the episode one era but uh here he's he's a jedi uh padawan to obi-wan and of course you've got the beginnings of the clone army we've got jango fett uh it, it, it's a it's a good movie it's a fun movie i think it's it's still maybe of course not as, as interesting as like the second of the original series, Empire Strikes Back, you know, hard to kind of top that. But I enjoyed this movie quite a bit, and it came out in May, uh, May 16th, 2002. 
It was a budget of only $115 million, which I think is pretty darn impressive, really, uh, when you think about it. it. It was, it did make a lot of money. It didn't make as much money as Spider-Man, actually, which I, I, until now I didn't realize that. Uh, I would have thought this was the biggest for the for the year. And I remember I looked up earlier today and, and saw that Spider-Man was. That's why I said that earlier. But it, it, yeah, it made about $650 million, So it's still, you know, it was definitely a, a huge success, made a lot of money. A lot of people were, I think, very excited to get this movie, especially, again, after what happened with Episode 1, and I think a, a, kind of a disappointment to a lot of people who had waited for so long for another Star Wars film and got this movie about, you know, little Annie and all that stuff. Uh, there's a lot of good moments in this movie. I've done a whole podcast on it, so I won't talk about it at length. Uh, it is got some great uh, lightsaber fights, especially near the end, of course, with Dooku and Obi-Wan and Anakin uh, fighting. There's, uh, you know, a lot of other moments in this movie that are cool. I think the introduction and the way George Lucas was able to sort of fit in, you know, uh, Jango Fett and Boba and, and some things that he had set up in the original trilogy and make them kind of all work here with the clones and all. I, I have to hand him, you know, give him credit for that. I think he was able to make it work pretty well. And, you know, I, don't, I think a lot of people will nitpick and, and there's things you can pick apart and don't really quite add up but i think again i think there was a lot of of good stuff here and a lot of uh, you know good ways that he made all this stuff work together and fit fit into a kind of a cohesive whole and and just sort of foreshadow what was to come i think a little bit though looking at that trailer again you know hayden christensen a lot of people i think picked on him and i think he had a hard job here and, and i i his performance may not be the best. I, I think in a way he, he should have been a little bit more, uh, I think they should have been maybe making him a little bit more angry, a little bit more setting up his frustration. It, it comes out, of course, and it's there, but I, I think that um, it would have been more interesting if, if um, more of that was, was played up in this movie and a little bit darker, I guess, is what I'm looking for. But, uh, you know, it is what it is now, and I, I still enjoy this movie. I'm kind of disappointed we're not going to get it in 3D, even though I'm not a big 3D fan. I would have liked to have seen this movie just to see it again on the big screen to kind of get us, you know, in the mood to see more Star Wars coming in a couple of years. It it, uh, it would have been nice. Maybe that'll still happen. Who knows? You know, I know that they were working on them, but uh, we'll see how that turns out. All right. Now let's go. Since we're in the Star sort of realm of films, how about another Star movie called Star Trek A Nemesis that came out at the end of 2002 the last of the next generation star trek films uh really until you know a long wait between this movie that came out in 2002 and then a whole seven years went by before we got another movie in 2009 just simply titled star trek from jj abrams of course so uh, you know this movie kept uh, you know it was it was the last film we got of kind of the the you know original sort of trek you know, universe of things and next generation and that. And I, and I think a good movie. I'll talk a little bit about it after I play the trailer to Star Trek Nemesis. Our eyes reflect our lives, don't they? I can see as well as you can. I can feel everything you feel. In fact, exactly what you feel. So 
said he's a mirror for me. I need to know where the hell he came from. The same blood runs through our veins. It was as if part of me had been stolen. You are dangerous. Look in the mirror. See yourself. I'm a mirror for you as well. Don't be so vain. Star Trek Nemesis, yes, the, uh, you know, clone of uh, Captain Picard uh, takes uh, revenge, the Romulan clone that they'd made, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, eh, this movie, uh, I think there's some good things in it, I, I, I've never been a big fan of Nemesis, I know some people seem to really like it a lot, I, I found it too Wrath of Khan-like to, to a degree, uh, I think they, again, I think there was some good stuff. I enjoyed the B4 uh, parts of it with with data finding, you know, this this early version of himself. And uh, let's give you some stats here. It, let's see, it was it was released on December 13th, 2002. There was another very big movie that came out in that uh, time frame that I'm going to talk about here in a moment or two that I think affected the box office quite a bit of this movie. Uh, anyway, it ran for 116 minutes. It, it was made for, uh, only cost about $60 million to make. Yeah, box office is 67 million that it you know it it maybe broke evenish you know who knows uh but uh you know there are advertising costs and things like that uh shinzan of course being this villain uh played by um the guy hardy what's his name tom hardy yes <laughs> who i think that it did a good job in this movie and they really did make him look a lot like a younger version of picard uh, i i think that worked pretty well but uh you know it just there's something that just doesn't work about this movie for me at least i, I think uh it, it's it's got some good elements again and i think it just doesn't quite all come together but um i think the uh there are some definitely fun stuff here and it was you know it was sad that it was the last n next generation movie i think i would have it would have been nice if they'd gone out on a stronger note at least for me i i think uh this movie is it's kind of dark this movie it's kind of you know there are some things in it that are kind of twisted in a way it's it, it's not very next generation like part partly you know it, it, when you think about it there are some, some things going on i like the romulan elements i like the fact that they they had the romulans featured pretty prominently and i like the idea of this this remans and romulans and and this sort of race that uh, that the romulans used almost as slave labor and that kind of stuff I, those things are were interesting to me but uh, anyway uh a good movie and of course you have the big sacrifice spoiler of data at the end uh, but perhaps he's still kind of around in in the guise of b4 and of course data transfers sort of his 
information memories and and things to him so you know I w- it would be nice and i know there are books that follow up on this the titan series especially with captain Riker, and i've read some of those and they're pretty good so uh so, but this again the last of the next generation films probably never see another one frankly uh of that cast and crew although who knows 10 20 years down the road jj abrams or some other upstart you know film director maker maybe he'll make a uh He'll update and re, re, revitalize. Maybe they'll go on to, instead of TOS, they'll take the next generation and recast it with younger actors and, and do a big screen movie. That'd be kind of a, a cool idea, wouldn't it? I mean, I'd, I'd be all right with that. I think it'd be kind of interesting. And and, and this certainly in the next generation has a huge following and a huge uh, you know group of fans that would turn out to go see that along with, I think, regular people. I think the next generation, actually, even more than TOS, was, was a series that... You know, a lot of people watched that that weren't really hardcore sci-fi or Trek fans, and I think a lot of people are aware of it and 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 enjoyed it. So, uh, you know, maybe you'd even have more success with doing a an updated next generation film. Who knows? Uh, the other movie I was mentioning that came out at this time frame was the second of the of the Lord of the Rings films, the Two Towers film, and I will play a trailer for that now and come back and, and talk a little bit about. Uh, that and of course we've had the recent hobbit movie so or the first of the three so but here we had in 2002 the second of the lord of the rings films the two towers what business does an elf a man and a dwarf have in the river mark Speak quickly! We track a band of Urukai westward across the plain. They've taken two of our friends captive. Look for your friends, but do not trust to hope. It has forsaken these lands. We're lost. I don't think Gandalf meant for us to come this way. He didn't mean for a lot of things to happen, Sam. I come back to you now, at the turn of the tide. Saruman's forces have begun their attack. He is using Saruman to destroy your people. They were unarmed. They had no warning. This is but a taste of the terror that Saruman will unleash. You must fight. I will not risk open war. Open war is upon you, whether you would risk it or not. A new power is rising. Victory is at hand! There is an army bred for a single purpose, to destroy the world of men. You must lead the people to Helm's Deep. By order of the king, the city must empty! Where is she? The woman who gave you that jewel? The alliance between men and elves is over. Our time here is ending. Arwen's time is ending. Let her go. Where is it? Just tie him up and leave him. You know the way to Mordor. There will be no dawn for men. It's the ring. Frodo! Let's take it over you. You have the gift of foresight. Tell me what you have seen. He is not coming back. The defenses 
have to hope. They will hold. There's nothing for you here. Only death. There is still hope. Yeah, so The Two Towers, this movie, uh, was very successful. The second of uh, Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings films came out just a week after Star Trek Nemesis, uh, in the United States at least, on the 18th of December. Ran for about 180 minutes, so like, you know, a nice three-hour movie. <laughs> and uh, uh, what else? Let's see, budget was only about $94 million. Uh, these movies, I think they had the big advantage when they made them. You know, they made them all at the same time and filmed them so the budgets were uh they were able to keep them i think under control that helped a lot i guess it was this one was more made more money than than the spider-man film this one made about 920 ish million dollars at the box office you know a really good movie i have uh i've always enjoyed this one i enjoy all the lord of the rings films and the books i was always still my my first preference of them is always the first book and the first movie everyone coming together and uh i mean the other ones are fun too and 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 cool and everything and there's a lot of good battles and and neat things that happen gandalf the white you know comes back here gandalf comes back in this movie and you know just just a great cast such such amazing films and this is, I think, why, and I don't want to get into a big thing on this, is why I was kind of a little disappointed in the Hobbit movie. I, I just felt that it was, it didn't have kind of the same feeling to me that the Lord of the Rings movies had. And I, the cast and the, I don't know, the grittiness and stuff of these movies, uh, of the Lord of the Rings films, I mean, versus the the Hobbit. I don't know. I just, and and I still strongly feel that they're stretching it out a lot. And I think I think it's weakening it, you know. I mean, I know other people seem to like that and they're okay with adding a lot more into the Hobbit and, and everything, but structurally to the story, I think it's I think it's hurting it just a little bit at least in my opinion to make it what they're doing with it. I and I and I think I I I would wouldn't be surprised if someday when all three Hobbit movies are out that somebody doesn't online or do something where they take them and edit them down to like a a one one movie and, and and i wonder what that'll seem like to us but uh again everyone's entitled to their own viewpoints and opinions about all that i just uh the lord of the rings though the films and the books the books have so much in them that in, in a way i mean they these these were very long movies and especially when you watch the extended editions even longer but there's still stuff in the books that they couldn't put in and i think you get what you really need to to move the story and, and give you a feel for what's going on here in the movies but it isn't like I feel like there's a lot of wasted stuff in here or things that they, you don't really need to see. But uh, enough about that, and uh, let's move on. And uh, I want to just run down. I don't think I'm going to play any more trailers at this point. We're kind of winding things down a little bit. I feel like my voice is a little grovelly or scratchy today. Sorry about that. But I'm going to just run down a list of other films from 2002, things that I'm not covering in depth. Uh, I'll just skim down this really fast. 28 Days Later, 2009 Lost Memories, The Adventures of Pluto Nash, Clock Stoppers, Cowboy Bebop the movie, Cube 2, Hypercube, Cypher, which uh, is a good movie, Dead or Alive, Final, for Eight-Legged Freaks, which is kind of a fun movie about giant spiders, uh, Equilibrium, a very good movie with Christian Bale. Definitely check that one out if you get a chance. Godzilla Against Mega Godzilla, Happy Here and Now, Imposter, Jason X, Men in Black 2, we talked about Minority Report. 
Project Viper, Reign of Fire, which is uh, Christian Bale also in that movie about dragons, and Matthew McConaughey's in that uh, Returner, Rollerball, when they remade Roller, Rollerball. Remember that? Ugh, not very good. Uh, Scorcher, Signs, which I think Signs is, is a pretty good movie with Mel Gibson, M. Night Shyamalan uh, directing. Uh, I think that's an okay movie. Solaris, uh, meh, okay. George Clooney uh, movie. Uh, and... Uh, Treasure Planet, which I, I enjoy. The Time Machine. Did not really like that remake of The Time Machine with Guy Pierce, And another one called Time Quest. And I should have said this early on, and everyone should always realize this. I'm not covering every movie, not covering every TV show, sci-fi fantasy that was going on during the year 2002. But it's a good sampling. Gives you a sort of a feel for that year, what was going on. I think we had some great stuff only 11 years ago. So, you know, you have some pretty technically you know advanced films and, and good tv shows and a lot of solid stuff here that uh, was was really very popular and you know we're we're getting into the era in this by this time frame where where this genre of fantasy and science fiction is pretty popular making a lot of money and pretty accepted so it's fun to look back at an era that's not that long in in the past when when there wasn't as much out, uh, and this time there, there's tons. But I want to play now, though, for you, uh, Rick Moyer, who has done this before on the year-end uh, review shows. He has put together uh, a clip of, of music and, and other things, uh, things he wanted to mention for the year 2002. So I'm going to play that for you now. And after this uh, clip from Rick, I will come back and we'll wrap up today's podcast. So uh, here we go, and thanks, Rick, for sending this in. Hey everybody, it's me, Rick Moyer, Moyer777 from the forums. Rico, thanks for covering 2002. I thought I'd throw in a couple of different areas that you might not cover. So let's start with the top 10 TV series of 2002. Are you ready? Starting at number 10, Time Shift, a series looking at changes in British society employing BBC archive footage. Then, coming in at number nine, The Bachelor. That's right, way back when. Number eight was The Shield. Number seven, American Idol. That's right. Number six, our favorite OCD detective, Monk. Number five, MI5. Number four, CSI Miami. Number three, Top Gear. Number two, Firefly. Woohoo! And number one, in 2002, most popular TV series, The Wire. Shifting gears a bit, let's go into the top 10 singles for 2002 as far as music was concerned. Starting in at number 10, Puddle of Mud with Blurry. Number 9, Usher with You Got It Bad. Fat Joe Feet and Ashante, or however you say her name. What's Love? Lincoln Park, in the end, was number seven. Number six, Vanessa Carlton with A Thousand Miles. Number five, The Calling, Wherever You Will Go. Number four, Nelly Feet, Kelly Rowland, Dilemma. Coming in at number three, Nelly with Hot in Here. <laughs> number two, and I never know how to say this, Ashantai, Ashantai, whatever, Foolish was number two and then of course the number one single of 2002 according to billboard top 100 is nickelback with 
How You Remind Me. So there you go. 2002, the best of TV series and singles. Back to you, Rico. Well, thanks very much, Rick, for your look at uh, TV and uh, music from the year 2002. Always gets you in the uh, feel and mood for that time. And, it, you know, again, not that long back, you know, 11 years ago. Uh, most of these things are pretty fresh in most people's minds. But I, I wanted to kind of mix things up. I love doing and, and enjoy doing these year-in-review things. I've tried to cover, you know, different decades, different time periods. And uh, this time out, I was I was wanting to do something a little bit more uh, recent uh, uh, of uh, a little more recent era so anyway but, but we'll definitely do another one of these probably go further in the past next time I, I try to do you know a couple of these each year so coming up on the podcast again thanks uh, everyone for listening for this week uh, next week I don't have a, a laid out for April yet but next weekend you're going to get a guest cast of course uh, I will be off but uh, you will have uh, uh, you're going to have Rick Moyer actually here and Jedi Jeff. They're going to talk about Star Trek ships and and, and different things that they uh, wanted to cover on on ships of, of the you know Starfleet. And I think they're going to do other ships too besides Starfleet, but just Trek ships, we'll call it, for that podcast next weekend. Uh, coming up in April, just to give you a little bit of an idea, I may have an interview with an author coming up, I think, in early April. Hopefully that's going to work out. I'm, I'm trying to plan that out, and we'll have another uh, some other casts, and we're going to get Towards the end of April and, and into May, we're going to start talking a lot more about the Into Darkness movie. We're probably going to do a Skype call in there with uh, with some of you guys and talk about uh, our, our thoughts and views and what we're hoping for for the movie. I did that before way back in, in 2009, and it was a lot of fun. And it's been a long time since we did a, a Skype call anyway, so that's going to be sometime probably either towards the end of April or early May. But uh, that's coming up. I'll get the schedule laid out. You can always see what's coming up on the podcast if you go to the main site and check the podcast area there's a a list that i try to keep up to date it's also on the forum i update what's coming up on the podcast in the coming weeks so you can always send in an email with an audio comment about you know whatever this topic is or anything else you'd like to talk about uh, to trek sf at gmail.com i've got two big things coming up next weekend that we're gonna geeks everywhere are gonna be excited about watching the game of thrones returns to uh, hbo season three and that will be on next weekend, as well as the first episode of the new series or season or whatever you call it of Doctor Who is, is also next weekend. So there's just a, a lot of cool stuff coming in, in the upcoming uh, weeks and months here. And we've got the last couple episodes of The Walking Dead and, that are uh, showing up on AMC this week and next week will be the finale for the season. Uh, just uh, plenty of things to watch and to see and do uh, each each week uh, for us geeks. So anyway i should go <laughs> all right i'll get this edited up and get it posted online and uh, hope everyone enjoyed this look back at the year 2002 in movies and television and and geeky things like uh that we enjoyed back then uh i will return and talk to you again in a couple of weeks so uh take care everyone i'll talk to you then and uh, enjoy your week ahead and this is uh rico signing off for treks in sci-fi
This has been a Wego Dusty podcast production.